got a question, the voices are rising, I hear. Plastics. Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hello. Hello, Lindsay Nebel. Hello, Mercedes Lindazri. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you are all recovered from your COVID bout? Our COVID, our potential Omni, Omni, Omicron, Omicron, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It might have uh, depleted some brain cells while it was in there. Um, yeah. I think basically what I'm saying is I think we had both kinds, um, just several several weeks apart. So that's exciting. No, um, but yes, we're all recovered. That's, that's great. Just that's said great. yes. <laughs> um, well, great. I'm Mercedes Landazzi. <laughs> I'm Lindsay Neville. And with our powers combined, we are. Plastics. The voices of the voices of resin. And we are here. We are here. We're recording a a great episode. Um, Closing out season three. Three. I'm going to hold up three fingers. Um, This is the last episode of season three. This is the last episode of season three, as far as I know, until someone proves me wrong. Um, And. So it should be a good one. So, so our podcast plastics, we, so we, we both work in the plastics industry. Um, we met through our industry association, society of plastics engineers, SPE, um, and, um, immediately got obsessed with each other because we, um, looked and talked a little bit different than, than uh, a lot of the other people in the industry. Uh, we started the podcast to, um, uh, spread the good word and spend more time uh, spread the good resin. But just to talk to 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 people that um, we knew in the industry or wanted to know um, and use it as an really, excuse to talk to cool people. Yeah. And, and and get the word out really, really, truly to, to really educate the public, not just people in our industry, but but, you know, talk about current events and, and new technologies in our industry, but really um, expose um, the greater public anybody who can listen to a podcast really uh to plastics because i'm someone who didn't have a plastics um background when i came into the industry and probably seven years ago thought plastics were evil <laughs> and um I, uh, I pretty quickly uh working in color found out that they are they're wonderful Lindsay, on the other hand um and you all always know in this industry um yeah anyway so we started this podcast it is sponsored by spe uh, the industry association that we met through, and um, it's released the uh, first Friday of every month. Yep, and you can catch it on Apple, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can catch your podcast. And we also have the video version on YouTube um, that usually comes out about a week later. Or you can find us on social media on Twitter, Plastics, P L A S T uh, <laughs> I see chaos. Um, no plastic chicks, just plastic chicks. Um, also on Instagram or anywhere else. We talked about doing a TikTok, but enough about us. Enough about us. Too much time on us. A special- we we have a guest from the um, where people try to put the eye in plastics is because they are all familiar with Plastivan. And so I get it. 
I, I understand the need to put the eye in plastics, but um, it's not there. So um, today we actually have um, one of their educators, uh, Evan Morton, the coordinator of sustainability and communications and Plastiman educator. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I just first want to say you all are amazing, just funny. So it just comes off amazing. I appreciate you having me for this podcast. And I'm excited to have some good conversation. Oh, well, thanks for saying that. Um, because sometimes we, we as we're discussing, we yeah, we're, we're basically just trying to figure out if we're hot messes or hotter messes. It's, um, no, yeah, so hot, hot messier. Hot messiers. That's, yes, that's where we landed. So obviously we're doing really well. Um, but Evan, you know, we have heard just incredible things about you. Um, Eve Vitale, you know, who is the Plastivan head matron, headmistress, we'll, we'll call her headmistress. That sounds better. Um, <laughs> she just, she just raves over you. I heard so much um, from her about like when she was talking to you, like in, in the hiring process, um, or actually I don't know where it was in the process, but um, it, just glowing, glowing, glowing reviews. And then, you know, I was like, Okay, he, I'm sure he's cool, but like he can't be like that cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're getting ready to make this um, podcast. And so obviously, we need to do a little bit of our homework. And we start looking at your LinkedIn page. And like, besides just like hearing you um, talk, I think in one of the last meetings you were able to join um, uh, for SPE's uh, council, I think, I think that was the last meeting you were in. Um, and, you know, just hearing some of the really good insight you have, but now like putting together with like your LinkedIn page and like seeing your like actual experience, like, oh man, like she made a, she might've undersold you, I think. Um, and like, <laughs> you have this like really great um, experience for being, you know, so freshly graduated, you know, can you kind of tell us about the path to like eating uh, to meeting Eve and like kind of getting started um, with Plastivan? Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, that's a great question. And when I was a kid, I was always interested in science. So it was just something that was very new to me. Just growing up, it was just a wide range of opportunity for me to be able to be involved because I was able to go outside and see the world in a natural environment and a built environment at the same time because of you know, pure Michigan. So well, when I was in grade school, sixth grade, I was introduced to Ecotech, which is a science-based laboratory in Detroit. And every Saturday up until 12th grade, I was able to do science experiments and be able to travel just across the United States to talk to uh, different nations like the United Nations going there and being able to talk to world leaders or going to Sarasota, Florida and learning about marine technology and having a central focus on environmental sustainability and bioplastics, biofuels, alternative uh, sources. So it, it's just been uh, an amazing experience uh, up to now, even, you know, further into the future, it still will be, but it's an amazing experience to be able to go from a child to now to see how much uh, times have changed and how much I've grown. So during college, I was able to become a researcher at Michigan State University, and that's what really kickstarted a real passion for what I was doing and why I wanted to be a researcher uh, in the geocognition lab. So within that experience of just being able to present, being able to follow through with research and being able to actually create a poster. It just really gave me a good insight onto where I want to go as a profession. And so I linked back up with Mr. Young, who is the 
owner of Ecotech Labs. And he gave me an awesome like recommendation saying, you know, there's an opportunity for you to be able to work within Plastivan. It's a program that focuses on teaching children around plastics. And it sounded really nice. And I, I was looking for something, especially since it was my last semester of college. I wanted to get more experience. And this was right up my alley. So I sent Eve a message. We had a conversation and a great call. And then literally a day later, I get a call back saying, so, yeah. We're trying to hire you right now. So wait, right now, right now, I'm still in. I'm still in college. Like, yeah, right now. Right now, <laughs> she means it. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so being a man educator for that semester not only helped me push through the rest of the school, but it also just made my time much much more fresher because I was able to start my career. So that's kind of how me and Eve got started. Were you not to interrupt? But were you like just totally? Because I would be very obnoxious to my friends if I got hired in college, like before the semester was even over. I'd be like, I am that amazing that I already have a job and you guys are suckers that still have to go out and look. Please tell me there was at least a little bit of you that like rubbed it in people's faces. <laughs> so there there definitely was a little bit of me that rubbed Thank it you. in. Like, <laughs> going to state and then uh, having to just again readjust for a year and having different experiences for working from at restaurants to working for grassroots organizations and even you know doing research at the same time having that year gap was just it it humbled me in ways i thought i could never understand what it meant to be in that position so when i was able to like you said you know when i was able to graduate i have a job right out of college it just it put me on top of the world i think rob thomas uh little these little wonders or little wonders the song from meet the robinsons that's that's exactly how it felt (laughs) so so you felt on top of the world but like it was already after you had spoken the United Nations, like in child, in your youth. <laughs> yeah, at that point, that's all back window stuff, right? I'm just even more embarrassed. We just interview the coolest people. Like, it's just like, you know, it's just totally embarrassing for us. Like, I mean, I want to feel bad every week. I, you know, every week. <laughs> But I, you know, so Eva introduced us, Evan, um, virtually like eight months ago or something. You were still in college then. You're you're a really recent grad. Um, and it's it's just amazing, you know, you um you know, I, I, I was impressed pretty quickly, you know, in our first call that we had, because we've only met virtually. Right. Um, and, you know, got got involved in, in the recycling division of SPE. And obviously now you're you're not just working for Plastivan, but for SPE corporate or headquarters. Um, and, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, when we were having our recycling division conference or the race conference, rather, I thought, you know, I bet he's a really good, I bet he's a really good public speaker. And I was totally blown away <laughs> when you presented um, Thank you. I mean, I, I probably, I, I, I shouldn't have been, but I was, it makes sense now that you've had experience speaking at the UN, you know, <laughs> the UN was where he went in and like, was just like, Hey guys, what's up? So this was really the big time. He's like, the UN was like his Toastmasters. <laughs> <laughs> we're writing, we're writing. Here. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> if you like, if you like plastics to create like an intro for your biography, autobiography, 
<laughs> We're available on Cameo. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so one thing that had big me, um, Evan, about you when we our first conversation, you uh, oh, go ahead. I think I have a little bit of a lag there. Yeah, you do. You're a little, yeah, a little behind. Okay, well, Lindsay, why don't you tell about your bag trauma? And because Evan has a cool fit uh, in college. So, I mean, I'm not even sure I. I know which bag woes you're talking about because I feel like I just am so angry at the world when it comes to um, their decisions with bags and um, lack of education, which I have to imagine, you know, somewhat resonates with you, um, Evan, you know, because I mean, it's not a mystery that the general population has no idea what bags are actually good for them and what bags are like worse for the environment. They just hear what they want to hear. They see what they want to see. And then it's no plastic bags are bad and paper bags are a number one or, you know, these like cloth tote bags I'm going to use once are they're great. And I will just, um, I, I do have a whole rant about it, but um, I don't know if that's the direction. Basically, all you need to know is she's now that now that uh, now that New York has their bag plastic bag ban, single, <laughs> single use bag ban. Yes. Um, Lindsay sm- has like a smuggling ring where she I, takes. Um, I do have a plastic bag operation. Bag to- <laughs> I, I smuggle plastic bags um, contraband style over the New York State border and bring them to my family. Um, it is harrowing at times, um, but we're getting we're getting by. Um, but so you have. But again, enough about us. Yeah, tell us <laughs> about your research project. Yeah. So what was so you did a project at Michigan State on those bags then? Yeah. Um, Thank you for asking. Yeah, I did a research project at Michigan State University my senior year, and this was my first time really interacting with college level research, but it was uh, the consumer bag choice, an exploratory study of the consumer behavior and their bag choice. So really in focusing on that, I worked in a lab called the Geocognition Lab at Michigan State University, uh, the GRL as we like to call ourselves. And within that lab, what we do is focus on people and how they perceive, understand and make choices and decisions about the planet and also focusing on the access, inclusion, and equity of justice in STEM. And within that geocognition laboratory for that year, I was understanding so much about human decision making and understanding that it's a large component of our everyday life. So these choices that we make on a day to day basis, what music we listen to, what food we eat, what we do, these possibilities are endless. And when we focus on that sustainability aspect of it, that is when it's critical. So what I wanted to look at in this study was the consumer back preference. We can't. We can't get rid of plastics. It's plastics are ubiquitous. It's we can't get rid of it. We have to learn to live with it and learn to ways to recycle it. Right. So what are ways that people can be incentivized to be able to either recycle it, uh, use less bagging when grocery shopping or maybe even a company or a government incentive to have you, you know, again, learn how to recycle your plastics and understand where they come from. 
So it was an amazing study. Uh, that was an amazing project. And uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, I have to imagine, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of those areas I feel like are all kind of in some respect, low hanging fruit, you know, um, I mean, I, I am a former cashier in my youth and, um, you know, I remember I was, I was great at bagging. Like I could stuff so many things in there and it would fit and it would be great. And like, it never broke. So it was a really well done. Like if you had too many boxes, you got to put something soft on there. I never knew this about you. It was amazing. I got skills. Um, and like, and now, like my complaint to my husband, because I do the grocery shopping and I go every Saturday morning, I go to Wegmans and I go to Starbucks. Like, that's my thing. And um, my complaint is always that they are putting like one thing in a bag. Like there are so many times where it's like and it, and it drives me nuts because I look at it and I'm like, OK. You're probably the same type of person complaining about the fact that we're using too much plastic bags. And here you are, like just easily doubling the amount of plastic bags I could have used. And like, that is like one area that's like super low hanging fruit. Like, yes, just proper training. Like, okay. To apply it across the country is probably a little more drastic, but um, (laughs) you know, it's stuff like that, that I think, I think people um, overlook and just hear that you're kind of like placing the, you know, the actual like human, human element into a project like that, I feel like is, um, I feel like that's really cool. Um, like I, I know we're going off book, but like, if you had just any, if you could go back in that lab and do like a research project on anything kind of along those same lines, like, is there another like plastic sin that you would kind of like try to choose the, like analyze the human brain with regards to the plastic sin, if that makes sense. Hopefully we get the video of this. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I would say if I could go into the lab and research one more thing, it would be, I'm very interested in the family. You know, it's it's family lineage. It's family lineage that gets the ideas with uh, that have shaped our idealism within the world today. So if I could look back and see where do we start recycling, uh, you know, as far as curbside pickup, I want to see what would that family dynamic look like as far as did the kid introduce the recycling first or was it the parent and see the differences between to see if there's a correlation between when we started recycling, you know, way back then versus who's recycling now or who's the main component of the family that recycles now. Oh, that's that's cool. That would be that would be super interesting because, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, like I don't know what level of consistency that would be. You know, I'm trying to think. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We talk about, sorry, we we talk about education a lot, but yeah, I mean, we we really don't talk about, um, you know, outside of that Mm -hmm. um, sustainability and really coming from the the family um, first. Um, So actually uh, kind of segue from that to, you said that you got involved in Egotech in sixth grade. Yep. And so, sixth so, grade. so, all right. So sixth grade. So you, I mean, what spurred that? Was that, did that come from your family? Do you have scientists in your family? 
So that's the funny thing. I don't really have scientists in my family. We're all in the aspect of uh, fundraising and healthcare. So it was more of like working along the banking route or, you know, that kind of system. Even my brother and my sister, uh, I have a brother and a sister both older than me, but they're not even following in the footsteps of, uh, you know, what my mom and dad did. So it's a different kind of experience as far as that first conversation with Mr. Young and being introduced at a young age. I think that's what it is. Do you think, you know, an introduction at, you know, like say you had like not met Mr. Young, you kind of like skipped over this lab, you know, do you think with you just your high school education and like not that component of the lab, do you think you would have kind of grown up with this like plastics is bad mentality? Or do you think, you know, do you think that's the only thing that saved you from the plastics is bad? Because I, I hear that that's being taught a lot more in schools these days. Yeah, I think that for me, if I wasn't introduced at a young age, I wouldn't have found a passion to to care, to care about it, you know, to inquire, even understand what's going on. That was the whole driving force behind it. So I, I I couldn't agree more just as far as being able to have that opportunity to be able to shed light to a child on something that might need to change or their perceptions changing. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, I think that's what scares me is, you know, I, I volunteer um, at something completely unrelated and um, there's this little girl playing with Legos and I was like, or I was playing with the Legos and she like came over and she was like, um, she was like, I said, like, come play with the Legos with me, you know, like something along those lines. And she's like, I can't. These Legos are are bad for the environment. And I was like, girl, you are like five, six years old. Like, I don't know how old you are, but like, and, and you're being, I'm like, somebody told you that. Like, you didn't just think like that toy is bad for the environment. Like somebody told you that and somebody is teaching you that. And like to counteract that, we do need a lot more education at a young age, education, introduction, and not even, you don't even have to go full education. Introduction is, you know, is one of a helpful thing. Um, you know, and that's what I do love about like Plastivan. Um, have you been able to, um, teach in any classes yet? Do any in-school demonstrations? I know with COVID, it's a little hit and miss these days. Yeah, it's it's a weird experience, you know, being uh, hired in while COVID was happening. So a lot of it was happening virtual for that semester I was in college. And even in the summer, it was just kind of all virtual. Even uh, teaching kids international was a great experience, but it was virtual as well. So now that we're moving into this new phase of, you know, people back then when it was August and, you know, summer and everything, we kind of thought, well, we can do physical meetups because we have a STEM program that we just started uh, this past year that focuses on teaching and building up those sixth through eighth graders to be able to do research in high school. But through that experience of, you know, I was working with Detroit Edison Public School Academy in Detroit, Michigan, and I've been able to go every single week to Debson and teach the children on Tuesdays and Thursdays and they have a good COVID protocol in place. But it's I've had experiences in the classroom and I've had experiences at events, but it's not the traditional sense. But what is tradition at this point? Yeah. <laughs> tradition is out the window. 
<laughs> so that's really exciting. You know, you got involved, you know, in Eco Lab when you were in sixth grade, and now, and then you, you know, started working with uh, students at the same age, right? And getting them just like giving back. Have you? Um, I mean, gosh, your 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 CV is is just enormous. It's just ridiculous. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, you. I mean, you've done so much volunteer work. Um, have you also been able to get back to your university? So, yeah, yeah, that's that was the best thing about it, about being able to graduate and not only give back to the university, but be a testament for those who were in my position. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily giving back to the university as much as it is giving back to the students of the university. That's what I really want to impact. I can give dollar amounts to student uh, to students rather than the university, because the students, those are the ones that make the whole the whole campus. So in retrospect of being able to give back to the university, uh, they still have all my research. So <laughs> that's my one gift to them. But lighters <laughs> of, you know, being able to give back, I'm still connected with my GRL lab and they hope from time to time they're even able to uh, connect with the students that were in high school last year and now are at Michigan State. They have a safety net. That's one way of me being able to give back of who are the students that need help. Uh, if you're in high school, like I'm teaching high school and middle school students right now, if you're going to a university, look for a trio program, look for tutoring programs. That's that's my way of being able to give back uh, to the students that are going to the universities. But I know Michigan State will be asking for some monetary gift donations in around six months. So I'm also looking forward to they that. They all group. do. I'm like, when I pay off my student loans, then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Graduate with Two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated more than two days ago and I'm still not ready. <laughs> so what was your uh, what what has been your best memory so far with um, with the students that you interact with? I would say that the best memory that I've had so far is. Gosh, it's hard to pick one, but it's I would possibly say being able to take the students and bring them to a gala. That was my, that was, that was the best experience I've had with the students so far because it shows how far the students have came. The students I'm teaching in the class, it's an amazing experience. And every single day I teach them is something different because, you know, kids are all over the place, you know? So other than being able to just teach the children in class, my favorite experience has to be bringing them to the SPE Automotive Gala and not only having representation of male and female, but having representation of different races within the conference as well to be able to shine a light on what could possibly be in the future if we continue down this path. Oh, I love that. Like, uh, so, so, so yeah. much. Um, I, and you know who it makes me think of, which I'm like going to cry now. Uh, Vicky Flares. Uh, yeah. So you didn't, you didn't get to meet Vicky, but she's a mentor of ours. Um, and she passed away when she was uh, 53. Yeah. Just a few years ago. Not very, not very long ago. <laughs> Yeah, she was one of three um, female past presidents of SPE, and she was there's a professor. Four. Yeah, she was, she was a professor. Oh, four? Yeah, there's been four uh, female uh, past presidents. Yeah. Um, years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so kind of a big deal. Um, and, uh, and she was a professor at, um, I think, Fordham. 
um, in New York. And uh, I believe that was the, the school that she taught at with Fordham. Um, or was it a Cooney? No, that is, yeah. So, um, but she she would always bring her, what was it that, was it was it Sue and Nikki that called her, like the, the, the like mother duck that always had the, she always brought her students around. Yeah. She went and it was like, you know, she really brought, you know, Selena, these kids from, from the Bronx, you know, um, and she just kept them so engaged. She, you know, would, would always bring so many students, the most diverse group of students that I've seen. And, um, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, just being able to see people that look like you in a place you didn't think people like you existed, you know, like, even if it's a small number or a small amount, it's like, oh, okay, it's possible. Um, and, and it's just, I, I love, I love seeing like young students getting involved at like events or like um, my favorite is whenever I'm at like a trade show and you'll see like a little group of students, you know, that like somebody was like, Hey, let's bring these students here. And they're all just like, staring around at all the like machinery going by and like it's just it's so overwhelming but it's like oh I know that that's gonna stick in your mind and you're gonna be like wow that is so much cooler than I thought it was and look at all these people and look what I can do and like you just step so much outside of yourself and uh, I just love it I love that you did that yeah I want to actually I think we're both we're both planning on coming to the um the plastics news conference in Detroit in May the uh, injection molding and design um so yes we are i just gotta remember put it on my calendar and we can (laughs) covid friendly high five them or hopefully that's over by by the (laughs) through the elbow we'll just like stay behind some plexiglass but just make it happen (laughs) i did forget that um we said we were going to do that but i will put it on my calendar now I only remembered it today because it was like on the last page of Plastics News today. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, see, I haven't read mine this month so or this month, this week. So we're good. Okay. Um, so, you know, talk, talking about students, you know, and kind of the buzzword around like students is get kids into STEM, get kids into STEM, get kids into STEM. Um, and not that this is a, a new concept, but there has been push to change STEM to STEAM, adding the arts into it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, hot takes? I wholeheartedly agree with the concept of changing STEM to STEAM. When I am just, I'm, I'm not an arts person at all. You know, I, I don't have creativity. I mean, I have creativity, but not like, you know, putting it on paper type of thing, just express it, you know, but there's so many talented artists out here that are using their, that are using not only just their platform, but their degree to speak for themselves, you know, like you don't even, the whole thing about it is if you're a child, you know, people push you towards engineering, you know, STEM, math, but they forget about the arts as well, because the arts is a major component, especially of a developing child. So a kid could be interested in engineering, but maybe they're interested in the coloring of products. Maybe they're interested in the product development side. Maybe they're interested in the advertising of it. It's those types of uh, those type of components that we don't think about when it comes to STEM. And that's where STEAM comes in. It allows you to express creativity while still being able to have all of those other letters with you as well. All right. And you, you, I mean, you, you'd mentioned the geocognition lab that 
you know, it was really, you know, um, focused on um, access, inclusion, and equity in STEM, or maybe not STEAM, you know, and, and I think that broadening it to the arts, including that, it's that makes it for me, you know, someone who who definitely had much more of an artistic background and was terrified of, of science and engineering, but absolutely adore it now. Um, huge nerd for it. You know, it would have seemed so much more accessible to me, right? And approachable. A lot less threatening when it's like, oh, one of the letters I can I can kind of do. So why are these lumped together and how they relate? Wait a minute. It, you know, that's that's totally like a great point because I was going to be um, a music major and like it was uh, I mean I've told the story many times but like it was a the old cheerleading accident that um, led to a couple surgeries on my wrist and kind of an inability to play as at a, like a professional level if I was even considering that and um, and I just happened to go to a class that had a little tabletop injection molding machine. Um, it's the cutest freaking thing. And um, I, I stumbled into it. But like you're saying, you know, had I seen the A in STEAM, I could have been like, all right, like I'm not bad at math. I, I by no means like loved every aspect of math or loved every aspect of science. I like good chunks of it, but I wasn't like, you know, science nerd of the year award or anything like that, but to associate it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like you go and you see something in yourself in that phrase and you start to think like, Oh, this isn't impossible. This isn't for like just those like super smart kids that are great at every math test. Like, no, average kids can be in it too. Mm One hundred percent. You need you need a direction. You need people to be able to put ideas to paper in a creative way. And arts, that's completely about it as well. And there are so many different aspects. But you know, when we talk about turning STEM into STEAM, it's way more inclusive and gets children's minds thinking like, okay, so like you said, STEM isn't just defined as I have to go into an engineering or science type of background. When we dismiss that. When we dismiss that fear, that's when we're more acceptable to change. So I'm excited for it. I remember um, there was a Pennsylvania, like the state sponsored um, video about um, plastics as like a, you know, career, you know, going to Penn State um, and Williamsport because there's the two colleges and they're both technically state schools. And John Beaumont was interviewed um, for one of it. And I remember him saying, you know, we need artists as well. And I remember thinking like, I guess we do. Like it just, it totally, because it's not associated as just a STEM, you know, field, but a STEAM field, I don't think it would have been such a, holy cow, you're blowing my mind kind of situation. Yeah. Weren't you also in that video? I recall being jealous that it was a thing that you did. That video. And I embarrassed myself. Walking downstairs or something. What? Oh, yeah. There's, the, the, yeah there's a whole like scene where they're like, and turn around and smile. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love STEM. Slash game. So, <laughs> so how, how do we... Um, how do we, cause we're sold, 
on the steam idea. <laughs> um, how do we go about changing that as, you know, a community, as a society? How do we, how, how does that change happen? I think it's, uh, I think it's more of recognizing it. You know, it's when people think art or, you know, art artists, they think of, you know, Van Gogh, they think of their favorite singer songwriter. They don't think about, you, you could be, and I, I hope you can attest to this Mercedes, but they, they could be working on 3D printing. 3D printing is engineering, but at the same time, it also is arts because you're forming something. The kids that are working on 3D printing right now in seventh grade, they're, they started first creating blocks and squares, and now they're able to create shapes and do all this amazing things, things with 3D printing that I'm just, it's over my head, you know? So when you think about it, it's just, if you tell a kid this is just engineering, they'll think about it as just engineering. But if you tell them it's engineering, but it also has art within it as well, and you can use that artistic piece, that outlet to be able to express a design, that's, it's, it's steam, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and it's especially for, well, for, for my other division is the color and appearance division of SPE. You find a lot of, of artists in who work in color and appearance. Um, you know, Scott Allman, who has been on the SPE board for, for many years. Um, he, you know, is, is, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the big, big names in the, in the, in the division. Um, he was a graphic designer. Right. Like he didn't have a, a STEM background. He was a graphic designer. And if, if, in fact, um, Celine, a few people in my lab, my labs, um, but yeah, product, product development engineer um, at Vortex Liquid Color. Um, she had, she was a, a double major of uh, biology and and art. She was an art major, you know, and it's like she's like this kind of really prepared me having a science and an art background prepared me perfectly to to be a product development engineer in a color lab, you know, you know, it, it, it as you say that, like, I'm reminded of the fact that a lot of schools associate like business and engineering as like the two like simpatico degrees, you know, really, what would it take to start having those industry or having those like engineering programs start associating or at least flirting with the art programs, you know, or, you know, cause you know, what would that have done for an engineer who's thinking about getting into like the design aspect, like loves like CAD design to take as your general ed, take some art classes, you know, like it doesn't have to be like, Okay, now you have a double major or anything like that. But um, just something as simple as like, hey, I'm going to strongly suggest that you start looking at art classes, that you start looking at, you know, whatever, design classes. And same way with, um, you know, art majors. Say, hey, why don't you take this like entry level, like why not make it easy to let them take like an entry level CAD? Like, there's no way they can't do that. Like, I had no cat experience when I started. I'm fine now. <laughs> like, um, it, that there should be some, some more, I think, if we start talking about this and start, you know, maybe educating, like, um, academic advisors into kind of making those suggestions, you know, start small. It doesn't have to be world-changing at the beginning, but those, those small steps could lead to more, more integration of the two practices 100% and even to the people watching if you're you know the young old just the whole idea behind steam is its inclusion 
I can be a scientist and I can work on technology at the same time. And that doesn't exist. It's not exclusive to anything else because it's all it's all a part of it. You know what I mean? So if we add arts to it because arts is a form, I think that'll start to change the minds and the ways that we perceive the current stance of what is art. And now we have an understanding of what art could be. So just adding steam, getting those conversations in the door and allowing the opportunity for student and student groups on different campuses to express uh, their choosing of, we want to be included within this club. We want to be included within this meeting because we are state. I love it. Um, and not to, you know, drill this point home a little bit more, but you know, who does a really wonderful job of kind of like highlighting that is Patricia Miller of, um, of M4, you know, yeah. she has, I don't know if she still has that guy there, but she had like a Art resident artist. artist who would actually make like sculptures with their perch. Um, mm-hmm. So like such a cool, cool idea. And it, it doesn't yeah. have to be, it's just highlighting that like, this isn't just waste. It's not. She put, she, yeah, she, did you see that she put, she's putting a, a huge, uh, amazing mural on the side of her factory. Yeah, I did see that. You know, so yeah, she has an artist in residence program. Um, and I thought about trying to trying to uh, actually do that, but I was a little bit intimidated. But when I, uh, uh, you know, in, when I was in between jobs, I was like, oh, maybe I could go there and paint <laughs> the injection molders, but um, but uh, not paint them, but like paint pictures of them. It's <laughs> like a, a little hobby of mine, painting injection molders. Actually, I was going to say, I have my... Uh, painted Sumitomo behind this computer. <laughs> I painted a, a, um, a picture of, of the machine that made Lindsay cry in college. It did. But also just from my, also my Mr. Young, uh, Brian Young. <laughs> I know I keep thinking of your Mr. Young. <laughs> he made me cry. <laughs> he said he fixed it. I mean, he did also make me cry. So <laughs> um, um, actually the second one in a row that we've talked about him huh? comes up a lot he's getting real popular um so we're we're running short on time here um evan but um i mean you are at just at the, at the very beginning of what i anticipate is going to be a magnificent and inspiring uh career um what what i guess two-part question what really really drives you deep down and then two what advice would you give to or what advice probably do you give every day to to the next generation so i'll definitely say the one thing that really keeps me going is just i mean i don't know how people take it but just that i'm here i'm grateful to be here present within this moment And that's what drives me every day because I used to not be here. You know, it's, I used to not be here mentally, you know, and it's coming from immaturity to maturity in such a short time frame of a year. It really makes a difference for you because you understand the world for what it is and not what you want it to be. So when, and the might be a little, you know. (laughs) I'm just sitting here thinking like, God, you are so impressive. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like more impressed with you every second. I can't yeah. even handle it. <laughs> Thank you. But that's that's what's really drives me is just I could have had the opportunity to go home and 
you know, not come back to college, but instead I was able to stay at East Lansing and find my way and opportunities to even gaining a sustainability internship at the student housing cooperative, which has never been heard of. When that happened, I knew I was here for a reason. When I got into Shrop at Michigan State University in the summer and I wasn't even, ooh, might be a little too much information. I wasn't even a university student at the time. We love too much information. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a safety net. You know, you have to have people that you can lean on, people who care for you, people who want to check up on you. So if I could give the next generation people listening any bit of advice, it's find find your community and not your colony. You know, if you find a community, you're able to commute with them. You're able to join in community. You're able to be better than yourself because you have people around you trying to do the same thing. But a colony, a hive kind of mindset, kind of status, it's good, but make sure that the people, if you have a colony or a hive mind kind of uh, way around, you know, your, your world and how you want your friends to be, just make sure you're doing it in a positive light. None of you are downplaying each other's talents and abilities. None of you are straying each other towards a path you shouldn't go. And if you do notice your friends or your social group doing that, that's when you either start to stray away from the situation or you try to help them to become the person that not only you want them to be, but that they want themselves to be, but something's holding them back. So never give up on the people around you, but at the same time, always look for the people who can improve you while you keep improving yourself because it's a community at the end of the day. We all have different struggles. We all have different traumas and we all come from different places, but we're here to help each other. We're here to grow. We're here to learn. We're here to succeed and see more people, not only like me and you, but people we haven't even met before become our circle, become our community, become people we can rely on because that's... That's just the way it is. It's a circle of passion, circle of community. Circle Can you just like text me like <laughs> just good thoughts every day? Like I just, <laughs> that's amazing. You, he has the Benjamin buttons. You have to be like, you have, have to be, to be like, Benjamin Button. you have like so much. <laughs> I love it. It's actually reverse 85 <laughs> so years old. High that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 43 people tell me I, I act like I'm 43 inside a 25 year old body. So, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know. Amazing. Well, Evan Warden, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on, um, I almost said Plastivan. That's that's your job. <laughs> you do Plastivan, we'll do plastics. We do plastics. Um, where can, um, can people get in touch with you? Do you still have your website? Yeah. So uh, first, thank you both for having me on here. I love the experience. You both are amazing. And this was amazing. So thank you. And if you would like to find me, uh, there are a couple of avenues, uh, avenues you can take. One is emailing me at E-M-O-R-T-O-N at 4SPE.org, where you can also visit my website, www.greentears.org. That's where you can find more content about me, more about my background. And if you would like to inquire, even connect, then please don't hesitate to call me, email me, text me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Evan. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit 4, like the number, SPE. Dot org.
Oh, plastics.